Good morning, church. I'm just so excited that I can share this message this morning. And um, if you see the, the theme that I've chosen, how Jesus is meeting us in our struggles. We've been so blessed over the last weeks as we've seen how we appropriate what Jesus tells us and t- Jesus teaches us to do. What a wonderful messing we've been actually seeing with Jen's not here last week about that Lord, the Lord says we must take hold of his joy and we must follow his commandments. It's been such an, a wonderful time in our church as we've just responded and we've seen people come and, and follow Jesus over this period. And I just wanted to kind of come to this point where I want to show us what Jesus does and what he does for us in our struggles. And it's just with such a, a sense of excitement and as the Lord has been preparing this message in my heart that I bring this to you this morning. And for those that uh, might know me, I, uh, it's difficult just to stand still. So Nick's going to kind of control that I don't go too far out. Um, and the other thing is I, I love just sharing from my heart. So uh, bear with me um, and, uh, and just know that it's just all from my heart and from what the Lord has been sharing with me and as Piet and I have been journeying with us. Well, most of the scriptures I'm going to be using is from the Gospel of John and some, some of those scriptures that are dear to me. And we're specifically going to look at the life of Simon Peter and his journey with the Lord. And in the Gospel of John, just for those that are, are new and followers of Jesus that have come to know him over this last while, I just want to share with you that the Gospel of John is like a love story. It is a love story. And it's, and it's, it's almost as like when you've had that first part of that relationship with someone, those flames of, 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 of getting to know one another is what the Gospel of John is like. And if you read it, and I really encourage those new followers of, of Jesus to take it and just read the Gospel of John. It is just such a delight. And for many of us that have been following the Lord for, for many years, I encourage you to put away all those other devices and just spend some time and just reread the Gospel of John. There's so many wonderful flames of love that he's shared with you that just comes alive as you read that amazing, amazing gospel. And it's really with that that uh, I'm uh, pretty excited of of what I'm going to be sharing. So to start off with, you've heard it, we were singing about it. There are things that we do, we know the Lord, but we just feel ashamed. We've done something wonderful for the Lord and then the next thing, we just sin. And something happens inside of us that kind of we, we live with the struggle for a while. And it is just there. And the thing is, I'm just hoping that in the course of this message that you're going to realize what, what the Lord does for you. And how he comes and makes it right. How he meets us in our struggle. And how he actually changes that for us. And really that, that's, that's what I'm hoping to share this morning. So because I'm sharing out of the Gospel of John... Um, and I'm, you know, watching a bit of Netflix every now and then, and I love my Korean dramas. I'm going to use a trick that they use. So in some of these series, they're really good and they're really healthy. Just don't watch Squid Games. I'm not going to watch it. Never watched it. But all the others are really healthy. They're really great. And what they do is they kind of have this scene in the beginning of the series, about somewhere near the end of the series, and then you're constantly wondering. So I wonder what's happening to this character. I saw something in the beginning but it's to do with something at the end. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us to the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, and I'm going to read a few verses, and then we'll get there at the end. So just allow me just to to start off by reading John chapter 1 and from verse 1. This is just a context. 
This is after Jesus is resurrected, and this is the third time he appears to the disciples. And this is John writing this down, and he says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, that's the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other of his disciples were together. Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into their boat and they caught about the night and they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood up on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast the net now that they were about unable to haul it because of the quantity of fish. The disciples who Jesus loved said to, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put out his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself in the sea. And the disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, about 100, meet, 100 yards, that's almost two Olympic lengths, 100, it's 91 meters. I'm going to stop there. There's so much happening in this piece of scripture. It's the last chapter of John. There's so much happening in the characters of this specific uh, story. But to understand where they're at, you've got to go back to the beginning of their journey, which takes place uh, specifically for Peter. It's about three years before that. And we know in Peter's case that his brother Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist pointed out that this is the Messiah, and Andrew went to meet his brother and call his brother to meet Jesus. We read about that earlier on in John. That's the first moment that Peter meets Jesus, and there, and there Jesus actually calls him Cyphus, calls him Peter for the first time. The next, in, next moment is where he calls Peter to follow him. And it's, this is the point where what we read about now is the first moment where Peter discovers and decides to follow Jesus. It's an incredible passage. It's found in Luke chapter five from verse four. And I'm gonna read a little bit of it and I'm just gonna break it open a little bit, just quickly. We read there from verse four, it says, um, just to give you a bit of context before we go there. So Jesus was teaching somewhere at the Lake of Galilee. And we understand that Peter and the other disciples had their boats there, they were moored. They must probably listening to the message as well. And it's in this context that, as teach, that Jesus finishes teaching that he addresses Peter directly. So what happens is the word says that when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Wow. So what they did, in faith, something stirred them with everything that Jesus had said, unmoored their boats, and went out to the deep. We understand contextually that Jesus went with them, and then we read. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. Both boats began to sink. And here's the moment. Here's the first moment that we hear that Peter speaks to Jesus. And these are his words. 
And but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord, recognizing who he was dealing with. And then Jesus says this to him in verse 8. His response to him personally. He says, Simon, do not be afraid. For now, from now on, you will be catching men. And Simon's response is he gets the boat to the shore, he leaves everything. All that money that that fish would have earned him, the boats, the whole lot. And he follows Jesus. And from that moment onwards, we hear from in the Gospels about this, this man named Peter. He's a quirky guy. He's a natural leader. But he's a guy that does and then thinks. He's a guy that acts and then just faces the consequences on what he does. He's a man that says things and often gets rebuked. He's the guy that does things and we all think, Ooh, that's not what I would have done. And as you read the gospel, friends, you start realizing that Jesus shows us how we love one another. As You know when you've got those people around you that just sometimes always make you feel uncomfortable and says the things that are just not supposed to be said? What Jesus does is he shows us how he loves him. He answers him. He leads him. He rebukes him. He teaches him. And he loves him more. We learn to love this character as we read this gospel and we understand that there's something so special between him and Jesus. He's one of the three disciples that are in the inner circle. He gets to see things that others don't see. They see Moses and Elijah together. They see people that can get raised from the dead that others don't get to see. He's, he's part of all these things, but in most of these moments, he does something that is so fuzzy in a way. But somehow it's just part of who he is. And so with all of that context, remember where we're going, I want to get us to the Last Supper. Even in the process of coming to that, 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 that supper together, in that Passover meal, Peter is again just in his normal frame of mind and saying, Lord, no, you can't wash my feet. If you're going to wash my feet, I want to wash your feet. Completely opposite to everybody else. And Jesus, in his loving way, corrects him. But there we are. They're in the meal time. And as you know, as lift, we love having a meal together. Because it's in those moments that we have fellowship, we share, we give thanks for what we're doing, we laugh, we talk, we have fellowship. And Jesus just loved the mealtimes. He taught a lot in the mealtimes. And in that space, Jesus shares with them that I'm going to die. He says it in a lovely way. And then we hear Peter's response. And it's found in uh, John chapter 5, verse 15, verse, uh, let me just make sure I'm on the right page. Um, 36. And this is Simon Peter's response. He says, Lord, where are you going? And then Jesus says to him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow me afterwards. And then Peter gets it. And he says, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Friends, the declaration that Peter makes here is from a man who's been changed over all these three years. It's a man who's saying, I'm not prepared to let you die. I, I want to defend you. I want to show you that I, that I love you more. And it's one of those moments that in, in the normal movie scenario, the hero or the heroine would just embrace that person and thank him for that. But Jesus is different. You should hear the response of Jesus, which is completely contrary to what we would be used to. Jesus answers him by taking exactly the words that he said and placing it in a question. And, and this is what he says to him. He says, will you lay your life, 
Will you lay down your life for me? Many of you, I know I have, in some meeting or some place where I make the bold statement, usually at work, and there's some clever guy that's somewhere above me, and he takes what I've said, and he puts it in a question, and he kind of ridicules you, and you've got to really know your stuff to be able to argue in that point, because he's just let everybody know that he doesn't believe what you've just said. It's a crushing moment for many of us. Jesus doesn't give Peter the chance, because immediately after that, he responds with the prophetic. So he makes the statement, everybody must probably was kind of shocked, and then Jesus says this to him, truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Friends, you've got to understand the context of this. They're in a supper, it's most probably 10, 11 at night. They've had this amazing meal together. The Lord is teaching them, and he's thinking, but the, the rooster's gonna crow in about six hours. There's no way I would ever deny my Lord in this time. How could he think that of me? In the same breath, he's thinking, everything I've seen, what he said, has come true. The wrestling that must have gone on in his heart as, as he was dealing with this. The reality of, how can that be so? And then we see, between John chapter 15, can have a read, to John chapter 18, where he actually denies the Lord, uh, that he knows the Lord. In John chapter 18, there's so much that happens in terms of the Lord teaching, the Lord leading, but in that space, there's two more moments where Peter would have had, these are the two things that the Lord said to me before he was crucified. The first one was here, and the other two was, as they were called aside to go and pray, they find this in Luke, um, they fall asleep, and Jesus says, why are you sleeping? Wake up, so that you will not be tempted. And then the final one, of course, is where the, where the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, we see that Peter responds as Peter does, and it's uh, John chapter 18, and it's verses 10, and this is what Peter does. It says, and Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And then P Jesus says this to Peter. These are the last words that he hears the Lord saying to him. Pick up your, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And he's led away. And then, as he follows into the courtyard, wrestling with everything that's happened, he's confronted by a servant girl. And she says, weren't you one of his disciples? And he says, no, I wasn't. They're standing by the fire. She continues to pester him with some others. He denies the Lord the second time. And then the third time, we read that one of the servants, this is in verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, the relative of the man whose ear was cut off, I love how detailed these things are. Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And it says, and at once the rooster crowed. All these things that this man was dealing with came crashing into that moment. And then his savior gets crucified on that cross. He's carrying this stuff with him to the Lord's grave. And can you imagine in those three days how he must have been absolutely shattered? No way that he could make right what he'd done. No way that he could have in any, any way had that moment to reconcile with his Lord before he died. That's the Peter that's dealing with struggles. Then we all kind of get to this point where we think, well, 
When he saw Jesus in the upper room resurrected, everything was cool. And I also thought that for a long time. But if you're, if you're a reader, let's just say we've never read the Gospel of John. And someone gives you this book and you start reading it like a book. You, you learn as, you know when you read, I love this, when you start reading a book and there's characters and you think, well, this, I, I hope the, read, the writer is going to somehow get a point where, where these two characters can be reconciled. I'm so hoping for that to happen because all of this is taking, and as a reader you're thinking, okay, well, there's, there's only one chapter left in this book and Jesus has died and the two times he's been around, Peter hasn't spoken to him. There's, there's still this, if I can say, this beef that he's got, that he, there's this thing that's lingering there, there's this shadow that's on him, this brokenness. Yes, he knows the Lord is risen, he knows that, but he must get a chance to just settle this with the Lord. And this is the Peter that we're about to hear about as we read this last chapter. And what the Lord does in this space of this last chapter, he shares with us truths that we can apply with the struggles that we have. He shares with us, if you see it, how he comes and meets us and what he does. And these are the truths that I want us to apply because many of us are carrying these things. They're just there. And it, some of us have been carrying these sufferings for a long time. So now we're going to turn to that specific passage and, and I'm going to read it again and allow me to just explode these, these few truths with you. Reading from, from John chapter 21 and I'm going to start with verse 3. And I've read it before, but just hear what the Lord says. It says, when Peter said to, him, said to them, I'm going fishing, and they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, and, but that night they caught nothing. So this is really not one of the truths that Jesus said, but this is a truth that we should own as, as, as fellow believers. And it's a very important part that we should own. And what did he do? He left what God was called him to do. And he started following the things that he knew before he knew the Lord. He went back to the things that, that were not what God had called him to do. And the funny thing is, he leads others with him to go and do this folly. And they had no fruit in it. Kind of in that moment, he's seen Jesus twice. He knows that God has put a calling on his life. But he leaves all of that and he goes and follows the things that he, that he did before he knew the Lord. With no results. Friends, Piet shared a message not, not so long ago, about we all fall. But when we fall, we need to fall towards the Lord. We need to fall towards the fellowship of believers, not fall away from the Lord. Because when we fall towards the Lord, we have time to, to get reconciled. We're in his presence and we're able to just experience him wholeheartedly. That's what happens when we fall towards the Lord. When you fall away from the Lord, there's a heaviness and a brokenness that is hard to get through. And I, I can just encourage, and I'm hoping that some of my friends that I know have fallen away from the Lord will come back to the Lord in this sense. But that's not the truth that I wanted to share. I want to share now what Jesus does for us. And that comes up in verse number four. Let's read it together and see what the Lord does. He says, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stooped up on the shore, yet the disciples did not know him that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? I can see him shouting out that hundred yards and they said, no, completely exhausted. <clears throat> and then he says, sorry. Cast then the nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. Here's the first truth for all of us. Jesus meets us in our folly. Friends, he will find you. Jesus meets you, not when you got yourself sorted out. He meets us in our folly. He meets us where we are at. He comes rushing. He's there for us. He's walking with us in the valley. He meets you in your folly, in your struggle, in your brokenness, and he calls out to you. He calls out to you and me, and he tells us that he loves us. He calls out to us. He doesn't stop calling to you. He will not stop calling out to you. And this is the one most amazing thing. He calls them children. And I just love that for me because it's just reminded of that song, child, you are mine. As you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. We are his children. He says, I've called you by name. You are mine. I'll never let you go. He calls out to us in our folly. He calls out to us while we're in the struggle. Hold on to that truth as you're wrestling with those things that, that kind of hinder you and linger there. And here's the part that God does, and this is Jesus. He does this throughout the Gospels, and we didn't know this. There's a moment of obedience required. In that moment where he's calling to you, this is how the Lord is. It's his character. He asks you to do something personal which seems illogical to the world. It was illogical as a fisherman and a bit of a sailor to be in the shores, in the, in the shallow waters, and to lay down the nets. It doesn't make sense for these people to do that. It doesn't make sense when they're hardened fishermen through generations who know where every spot is where you should fish. It takes something out of the ordinary to step out in obedience when the, lead, when the Lord calls you. This is what they do. First truth. He's going to meet you. He's going to never stop calling you. But know this, friends. There's something that the Lord will do personally for you to ask you to do that, to step out. You've seen that as we've, as we've experienced that in ministry time. It requires of us to, to just open our hearts. First truth. The second truth, let's read about that as you go a little bit further in the scripture. Let's <clears throat> find my... We read there that the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Exclamation mark. I love the pronunciations and I love what, what the word does. And when Simon Peter heard what it, it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments for he had stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. King James says he swam to the Lord. Friends, this is quite something that's just happened here. And this is the truth that the Lord does for all of us. As we answer the call, as we do something in obedience, the Lord shows us his wonder. He reminds us of the things that he's freed us from in the past. He'll, he's there with you, showing you and leading you because in the things that he does in these moments in our struggles, you will see it's the Lord. You'll remember how much he loves you. And the only thing you can do is what Peter did. He just might as well jump into the water and swim after the Lord because he knew this is what it's about. And that's what we should do, friends. When you hear the Lord's call in your struggles, when you're able to just do whatever he's telling you to do, you will get courage to step out of that, of that suffering and run towards him and just sit at his feet. That is a beautiful truth. Jesus does this for us. 
And it is absolutely amazing. And so, if only we could do that. Now, I want to just share a little bit about Ken's thinking. I cry, I'm an engineer by heart, I am an engineer. So when you look at these things, I look at these things and kind of work things out. So let's just go through this very simply. The boat's 100 meters off. It's pandemonium, it's huge fish, it's causing a huge wake and a huge drag. Peter puts on his clothes and dives into the sea towards Jesus. Swims the crawl, Olympic crawl. We don't know what happened. And you know, I have this bucket list, I'm sharing something pretty personal. I have this bucket list of things that when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord. Now, this is one of my bucket lists because we don't know what was happened between Jesus and Peter, but there they were together. We know that they were at the fire. After that, Peter went back to help them get the, get the boat out of the, get the fish out of the boat. But something very personal happened there. One day we'll know. The next part of the story, when we pick it up, is really the third truth that I want to share. And um, it's really in this, uh, this space now that I really want you to hear, this is the moment that we've been waiting for, that we've been waiting for, that you, you would, we've all been anticipating that the Lord would come and speak to Peter personally. And this is how it all goes down. I've got to give you some context because it's important that you understand a little bit of the settings. I've, I've been to Israel a few times and there is no place in the whole of Israel that I would rather, if you want to take me to Israel, I don't want to see anything that's been blemished by man, but put me at the Lake of Galilee, on the side of the shore. And that to me is one of the most holiest places I can ever be. I have the privilege of going bird watching on the Lake of Galilee. Um, and so I found places where we usually don't go as tourists and, and the waves and the reeds and, and, the, and the sea, it's a very special place to me. So this is how I see it's going to happen. So you've got to understand, and we all think that, I'm, uh, I'm gonna just quickly read it. I'm still doing okay with timing. Um, let me just read the, the remaining verses and that we can just get the context. Um, when they got to the land, this is when they got the boat to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in its place with fish laid on it and the bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you may just caught. And Simon Peter brought aboard the whole fish ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the nets was not turned. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Picture is they're having this amazing meal over a braai, over a barbecue with fish and bread with Jesus. The fellowship that they've had before, the laugh, the joy is happening around the fire. And then we think, now we have from verse 15 to verse 19 where Jesus shares with Peter. But you've got to read verse 20 first because verse 20 tells us that Jesus and Peter went for a walk. It says that in verse 20, it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So this happens, this is where they went. And just allow me, please don't crash my image, but this is the image I have, is after the breakfast, Jesus calls Peter aside and they go walking on that beautiful sea of Galilee. And my picture is, Jesus has got his arm around this young 20, 22 year old and he's, he's loving him. Peter's not in the same movie, he's got his head down, but Jesus is loving him. And they're walking along the, the lake and Jesus shares this. And these are the truths that, that the Lord shares from verse 15. And he says, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to them a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said this to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything I know. You know that, know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Friends, he then goes on to share this prophetic word of what's gonna happen to Peter at the end of his life. But at the end of that piece, the last words he shares to him is, follow me. The truth that the Lord is sharing here with us is, he takes the initiative. We didn't have to come up and say things, he takes the initiative. That's the first thing. The second thing is that, that Jesus says to, to Peter, do you love me? And he answers, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. But everything that I've done in the past points to something that I don't love you. I cannot show you with my deeds how much I love you. And then Jesus says, because you said yes to loving me, because of your yes, that is enough. I will give you a new calling. For every yes that you've said, I've told you you're gonna be a fisher of men, but now you're gonna feed, you're gonna tend, you're gonna be there for my, and, and all I'm telling you to do is, I know it's gonna be rough, just follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Following me is when you look, you're following somebody. Jesus is saying, follow me. Friends, when have we started to believe this, that you know, when we struggle and we fail and we can absolutely mess up, that it changes the way that Jesus sees us. It's not true. We live in that lie. When do we, we, we start believing that we can do something more to show him he lo- how much we love him? It's enough. Jesus paid the price on that cross for all of us, once and for all. And he says, I love you. And he says, Father, they are worth it. I know everything they're going to do and everything they have done, and they're going to fail me more, but they are worth it because I paid the price and I died and was raised from that cross. You are worth it, Peter. Each one of us here today, we're struggling with things, and we might be struggling with them for a long, long time. The Lord is telling each of us that, let me show you how I reach you, and your yes is good enough. This is the truth that the Lord shares. He's going to find you. He's going to find you. He's going to find you. And He won't stop calling you. And no, He's going to ask you to do something. You know it. You'll know it. And just experience and anticipate the wonder of being reminded of what He's done for you. And boy, you just might as well jump and run after Him. Because that's where your hope is. And then listen for Him to say to you, do you love me? Friends, I, I've, I want us to stand now and I really want us to just, in this moment, I want us to hear the Lord speaking to you saying, do you love me? And I want you to be able to come to this point. Please stand. This truth is for all of us. I know for me personally, friends, when I'm struggling with shame, I know this now. I just go to John chapter 21 as much as I know that I'm feeling a distance with the Lord and I just read it again to myself and then I find myself saying 
Lord, I say, yes, I love you. Lord, I know everything I've done doesn't point to that. But I know that you say that you love me because of what you've done on the cross. Lord, I say, yes. I just say, yes, Lord. I love you, Lord. Help me to follow you. Help me, Lord, because it's hard. And I need you. Please join me now as I pray. And Father, I thank you that your word is, is so alive. Thank you, Lord, that you do what we cannot do. And you show us through your word how you meet us in our struggle. And you make it right. You did that for all of us, Lord. You say it so clearly to me and to all of us that the price was worth it. It is the gospel. It is the good news. Lord, as we stand here, Lord, I pray that each one of us in this moment just bring that thing before you, Lord. Lord, and I ask that they would hear you saying to them, Ken, do you love me? Piet, do you love me? Christine, do you love me? I pray that we will hear and we will answer, yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Friends, if you've got courage to say that to the Lord, say it to Him. The Lord is saying to you, follow me. Just keep your eyes on me. Because I've called you by name. I've said you are mine. I've set you apart from what you think you're doing because I've called you for a purpose to glorify me. In the name of Jesus, he shatters the shame. He shatters the brokenness. And he loves us. And he's walking with us. arm's got got his arm around us and he's saying to you that it's enough just follow me thank you Lord for your love and thank you for just speaking to our hearts Lord in Jesus name